Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. Coronavirus has got us all thinking about UK holidays, and what better way to do that than in a camper van? Have the adventure of a lifetime in one of Camper Kings' high-end luxury camper vans. Check them out on Instagram at camperkings underscore nw, or on the website at www.camperkings.co.uk. Prices start from just £85 per night, so book now and quote Across the Park podcast for free insurance and a free bottle of champagne during the month of September. Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, produced by six mates, the three Reds, Gary, Phil and Terry, and the three Blues, myself, Milsey, Judgy and Craig. Each Monday, we release our latest show. We will discuss the ongoing matters with both teams, whether it be good or bad, opposing views, opinions, banter and debate. We are proud to be a family-friendly football podcast and you can find more about us on our website www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show on your preferred podcast listening app and make sure you give us a follow on our social media. Twitter is Across the Park PC, Instagram is Across the Park PC and Facebook search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the last episode of season two of Across the Park podcast, the longest season officially, not only of my life, but actually officially as well. We're going to be talking the season 1920, a full review, myself and Judgy, the Blues, Phil and Terry are the Reds. We're going to do it in sort of a bit of a topics. We've got um, best moments, lowest moments, best games and, and players of the season. We're going to do it like that, opposed to breaking down every game. Um, regular listeners will know the past few weeks, our audio has not been the best. Sort of in the middle of changing some podcast providers at the moment, so it's happened at the wrong time. We scheduled it thinking it'd be pre season, and it ended up being the time Liverpool have won the league and, and Everton have had some serious problems. So, our content, the audio has not been the best, which we apologize for. We are looking into changing that. Um, but, Judgy, I said there, season two is in the can. I think the first thing we need to do is just thank our, our listeners, don't we? Yeah, no, th- thanks for staying home with us. <clears throat> I know it's been a, it's been tough for you guys as well. We, you know, we. We entered this season with with our studio and and being able to record every week pretty much at the same time. Um, you know, once COVID kicked in, we had to quickly try and adjust. And to be fair, I think we almost every week we still managed to provide it. You know, an episode. We've done a lot of extras during the lockdown as well. But like Millsy said, it, it, it must be frustrating for you guys listening sometimes when the audio isn't as good as it has been. But you know, believe me, we're, we're trying our best, and, and you know. Always do, but thanks to everyone who stuck with us, you know, throughout throughout the season and, and since our inception. So this is two years we've been doing it now. Um, we enjoy every minute of it, as we always say. It's a hobby to us. It's great for us to just get get together and, and chat footy with our mates, and that's all it is. It's great that you know some people actually choose to listen to that every week because I'm not sure I was, but uh, no. All joking aside, really appreciate everyone who tunes in, and especially those who who message us via the website and social media, you know, send questions in, yeah. send the feedback in both good and bad, because that, that really does help us and, and motivates us to, to try and do as well as we can. Yeah, and I think just, just to add to that, I mean, you know, for the listeners who do send messages in, um, for the ones who put actual email addresses on, we, we will always try and respond back to you. Um, but we do get a lot that come in with like sort of dummy emails and things and, and they'll ask us questions and then we can't go back to you. So if you are going to contact the pod, make sure you give us a proper email address and we'll always endeavour to try and get back to you personally. Um, 
So just just make sure that you do put that on there, not just not just on the email addresses. Otherwise, we've got no way to get back to you. Absolutely, and as you'll notice from the start of the show, we've we've got advertising space now as well. That's going to be moving forward into next season. Any queries that you want to get your advertising space on our podcast or our extras on our social media, it's team at crossparkpodcast.co.uk. Happy to talk some figures with you over that as well going forward. Uh, like I said, let's get into the season. Phil, you were very kind of giving me an itinerary for this one, and it <laughs> starts off with um, congratulate Liverpool winning the league. I, I'm I'm not going to go that far, but I'll, I'll hand over to you. That must have been the season of your life, my friends. Listen, Millsy, you need to get used to this. You need to savour the moment and get used to that bitter taste in your mouth mouth, because it's not going anywhere. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's a, a season a season for all seasons, isn't it? We, we've gone and done something incredible and we've waited a long time, me and Teddy, to see it happen. It did happen in our lifetime 30 years ago, but we're both too young to remember it. So the first league win and... You know, Champions League and European Cup wins, we feel like we're European royalty and we almost feel entitled to winning uh, European Cups along the way. But the Premier League's one that's eluded us. It just feels like something that maybe we never quite had enough money to ever get it done because over the 38-game season with injuries and stuff, it always seems to be like a mega-money club at Chelsea or City, uh, United of the 90s when they were the mega-money club. Leicester and Blackburn, yeah. <laughs> a Blackburn, Blackburn, in fairness, were yeah. a mega money club at the they time. Were, they were, they were mega money. Serious, they were mega money, mate. Not compared to nowadays, but compared to what was on offer at the time, they were. They were bankrolled big time. Well, an excuse. It just seems something that was Leicester. Yeah, Leicester, Leicester was fair enough, but it just seems like something that was always going to elude us. And so it's because in life you always want what you can't have. So yeah, we all do. That's why Everton want to win the derby so much. But for Liverpool, <laughs> it was always about winning the league, and we and we finally done it. And no one can say nothing to us now. So yeah. So Terry, me, me and you had this question the other day. We were speaking, and, and I said to you, if you could rewind back to how you felt in, in pre-season and your aims, to, to, what to see Liverpool do. You knew you had the World Club Cup. You knew you had the Super League, Charity Shields, and the domestic trophies as well on offer. Sitting here now in July, and and you've won three of those. Does that surpass your expectations considering one of those was the Premier League? Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, if, if we're sitting there in, in, say, July, going into the new season, last last July, um, and you said that this is, you know, we'd, we'd win the league in the manner that we've won it, um, at, at such a canter, you know, with, with so many games to spare, um, I, I, I just said, well, I think we'll be up there, but I don't I don't think I'd have believed yet, you know, that we'd have done it in, in, in that sort of fashion and style. Um, so, I think by by getting it across the line in in that manner, we, we've certainly surpassed any expectations that any Liverpool fan would have had. I think we would have, as I say, expected to be up there challenging certainly, but with City put on their season that they did up last year, you know, we, we expected them to be a lot a lot more a lot more competition. So we certainly ex- surpassed expectations, but. That's not to say that, you know, and not to put a damper on it, everything Phil's just said there about, about the league win is absolutely right. You know, it was, it was incredible, an incredible achievement. But I'd be lying if it, if it didn't say that, you know, in December, January, I thought we were shaping up to, to, to maybe go and win doubles or trebles. You know, I, th- I think there was a live chance for us there, you know, to, to do that. And we had Chelsea in the FA Cup. We were, I thought we, you know, were, were beatable. And then obviously Atletico Madrid and and a fancied us to go and to get through, you know, in the Champions League. And unfortunately, we didn't. And we went out of a couple of trophies quite quite quick and you know next to each other, and then got beat by Watford. Um, so at that time, it, it, you know, 
as I say, January, I probably would have expected us to 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 maybe be still in, you know, the Champions League and stuff. And and it's not so, isn't it? It does hinges a little bit, but you've got to maintain the context. That, as I say, on day one at the start of the season, that league win was what we all wanted, and we've done it, and we've done it at a canter. So I don't want to take nothing away from that achievement, but it's still it's still it's still a season for you know for the records for the record books and. But it, it, it possibly could have been better. It, it, it just then them them little sorts of slips. In this, that's so. what this team have done. So I'll tell you, it's crazy to say exactly. you expect a treble. You know, it, it's it's crazy talk. But we've almost yeah. become blase about winning winning matches, winning trophies. That's what this team's done to us. But look, the the good thing about that is there's still a bit of room there to to improve and go on and, and yeah. do something next season. So you know we. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think you've nailed it there. You're right, and you know the the, the level the level this team's reached and the consistency this team's reached. I think it does start getting us thinking. You know, in 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 just completely different terms. It's, but you're absolutely right. It's kind of in stark stark contrast. Sorry, George, you're on. Sec, but I was just going to say it's kind of in stark contrast to the Liverpool way of like you know you were there in Alaves and uh, and and Istanbul and all that. So we do it last minute. We've won, we've won all yeah. the games last minute this season, I suppose. But, you know, later on and stuff like that, one nils. But to win the league so early, I'm not used to this as a Liverpoolian. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. Oh, neither yeah. are we, trust me. It's been a, it's been a <laughs> painful few weeks for us. Uh, Judgy, I think the way Phil's formatted the, the show, um, we'll get into a lot of stuff. But can you summarise very quickly just how the Reds have done there on, for me, a very, very disappointing season again. Can you summarise very quickly before we get onto it, your thoughts on Everton's season? Oh, uh, I, I, it's, it's just to summarise. I mean, I think I think that the departure of Marco Silva was was a pivotal one. Um, you know, all the listeners on our podcast will know that I wasn't sure, even despite how, how poorly the team was doing, I wasn't sure that getting rid of the manager was going to make that much difference. Um, obviously, the injection of passion that Duncan brought brought in showed us that actually there's a few more percent that we can maybe get out of the squad. Um, you know, we've obviously since got Ancelotti in, which was a major coup for the club. Um, and that's that that that's helped teach us a lot really. I think initially, um, you know, we've seen a lot we've seen a lot of um, tactical adjustments that Ancelotti made and, you know, he stuck with Duncan's four four two, which again got an extra few percent out of those bodies. But I think the lasting message for or I think the lead, the feedback or I don't know the what the words is here the the outcome of, of all of the series of games that Ancelotti had was that, you know, it ultimately told us that maybe Silva wasn't the, the main culprit for the for the for the poor form we've seen. Um it was it was just as much the players and a crop of players now that have that have, you know, a core of like six or seven players now that have seen off, you know, six or seven managers. So uh, it's to summarise the season. Um it's been a learning curve, I think, because I think as fans We've been trying to kind of guess as to who's at fault. You know, Marcel Brands is coming for in for criticism. Bizarrely, Machete is coming for criticism, which is which is mad to me. But you know, I think it's been a learning curve for a lot of fans. But I think what we have, what we can take away from the the season now is that we've got a person at the helm or a, a you know manager there who, who can take us forwards and who can make some decisions. Hopefully, during the close season, that can you know get us closest closer to where we want to be next season. No, I, I couldn't disagree with that. I, I think summarising what you said there about the players, I, I completely agree. I think we've learned an awful lot about the players. I think it was we had some thoughts on on some of them going into this season. Uh, we were willing to give a few of them a, a chance. Um, I 
Morgan Schneider, we get, we're going to give him another chance based on how he ended last season. Fabian Delph came in, we thought he was going to be, be something we needed, i.e. Gareth Barry, James Milner, and we've learned an awful lot about some individuals for me this season. But we'll, we'll get into it, we've got some questions. Um, Phil and, and Terry, we'll start with you, it's a bit of a silly question. Your best moment of the season? Go on, Terry, let your shoes off. There's absolutely nowhere to look beyond seeing Jordan lift the big, you know, the, the trophy and, and hold it aloft as captain of Liverpool. Granted, it was in front of an empty stadium because we couldn't have been there, but that was the moment, you know what I mean? That that sort of that that point where we finally got our hands on it and, and we said we've won it, you know what I mean? It's it, it's ours. That's got to be up there as, as the moment of the season. Um, on a personal level, I suppose, like you know, it. I I, I know we, we we sort of discussed. Previously and stuff, but I, I even just once once we got the points in the bag, that was a that was a particular nice moment. You know, it was a, it, it was a bit of a, a surreal one. Um, but seeing seeing them lift the trophy, you know what I mean, and seeing what it meant to some of them players, and and finally getting it done. That that there's just nothing else. There's not nothing else can even can can, can come close to it um, for me this season. I'm not, I'm not expecting you to have a different well, not, answer. Well, no, it's <laughs> obvious, isn't it? But uh, it was a, it was a weird one because we're used to seeing videos. Of all how the fans had celebrated, but this time we were watching videos yeah. of how the players celebrated and, and the trophy lift, and yeah, it, it was fantastic. But because I expected you to say that, I've just jotted down a couple of um, in 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 season moments, if you will, um, and the Mane second goal, uh, you know, to make it two one against Villa, it was his first goal. Robbo scored the header first. That was a really significant game along the way, wasn't it? It was a big moment um, mm. to turn what was looking like a draw into a win. Um, so that that in the within the season that was a bit, you know really a special moment for me, and also the Trent Trent's fourth goal against Leicester, because that was one of the best performances I've ever seen against Liverpool, and that was a really good goal. It was a boss team goal. It was a breakaway goal, yep. and it was a beautiful finish by Trent. Emphatic kind of like strike. icing yeah, on the cake, yeah. weren't it? So that was, that was a lovely moment too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Leicester game in particular on Boxing Day, that was you know. As you say, it was probably one of the most complete performances I've seen from a Liverpool team. Um, you know, I think back to the ones that I can that I can think of off the top of my head, and you know, there was one about ten, probably about fifteen years ago now, actually, when when we beat Leeds. I think it was four 0 and that was a mm. boss game. Um, and then there was, you know, obviously the one against yeah. Arsenal under, with Rodgers' team, which was incredible. But I think the Leicester game for me was, yeah, that was that was it was the best performance I've seen of a Liverpool team for for you know a long long time and. That was that was a nice one, you know, coming on Boxing Day, watching it with all the family after you've had a bit of a dinner and yeah. all that as well, um, and then and then seeing it, you know what I mean? That 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 that, that sort of that performance was was right up there, and, and a great Trent's goal and that one was a, was an absolute mm. peach. There was a few actually in that game that, that were <laughs> yeah. lost goals, but but yeah, no, that that that's certainly a, a, you know one of the moments that sticks out. But I'm still saying the league, the yeah. lifting it's yeah, got to yeah, be definitely. the one on it. Georgie, from a, a blue point of view, um, I'll give you mine. My my best moments of the season was the Chelsea game where Big Duncan took charge uh, I think you, you, you probably agree yeah, simply because there's not jump, that many just jump, just jump <laughs> if you think back to how we felt at the time we got beat by Norwich about a month earlier and the club seemed to delay on getting rid of Marco Silva and our Morales fans was at an all time low then we got beat by Leicester late on Liverpool done us 5-2 on a Wednesday he was finally sacked and then we were just we was just so low and then to, to see the passion that he gave and transmitted into the team, and that he sort of got us, but he got us back on side in the season. We would give up almost at that point. Well, I had anyway. Just go back and listen to the podcast. I was I was done with the season, and he injected yeah. such a such a a massive 
sort of injection of energy, uh, which lasted right up until only a few weeks ago, really, because Angelotti, you know, carried that momentum on. Uh, but that, to me, is the best moment in Everton's season. Would you agree? Yeah, do, do you know what? There's two, there's two, two moments um, after that game, really, and they, they, they were still really part of Duncan's, Duncan's tenure, and, and it was at Old Trafford, um, and, and being interviewed after the game, and and I'm just talking like a proper Evertonian. Yeah. You know, he, again, he was explaining why he took his jacket off and all that, and and talking that you know the uh, I, I can't remember who, who, who it was who, who actually interviewed him pitch side, but he's talking about why why he was doing that, and um, he, he's obviously just dragged Moise Keane off as well, hasn't he? And he's trying to explain yeah, yeah, that, but yeah. he was just talking like a proper Evertonian, and you just felt like you know there was a fan managing the team, and you you were just as proud of him. As you were the same because we should have beat United that day. Uh, I think Mason Greenwood scored with ten minutes to go, re- a really good goal. But mm. we had the better of that game. We were unfortunate not to win. And the following week, not even the following week, I think it was a, a few days later. Um, and it, it ends up we ends up losing the game ironically on penalties. But Leighton Baines's late goal against Leicester, mm. we were two 0 down, and Leighton Baines ends up coming on and scores the equaliser in stoppage time, so goes into extra time, and it was an absolute screamer. And it, it felt like one of them nights where we were just going to go on and win that game. Obviously, we ended up losing it, proper Everton style. But um, no, we had two, two moments, really, which I think it had been such a poor season up to then. And only a couple of weeks before that, we'd been, you know, demoralised by Liverpool um, 5-2. And, you know, I think we restored, or the players certainly restored a little bit of pride. We went a little bit of run then, beating Burnley, beating Newcastle away, and then just losing out to Man City. Um so yeah, I, I think for me that the, the end of the game, I was gonna, I was gonna say Duncan grabbing the uh, ball boy, ball boy, yeah. My moments of the season, but I think at the end of the game at Old Trafford and that performance in general just lifted everyone really. Do you know, what? it's a bit of a light-hearted show, but just to go a little bit deeper, the importance of that run that we had those four games because if he'd have lost those four games, there's no way Carlo Ancelotti was coming in. He'd been looking at no. David Moyes. Yeah, it's a good point, and and listen, I think when we were being linked with David Moyes and, and the, the seriousness of the situation we were in, I don't think we could be too disrespectful about David Moyes himself. No. Um, and I think you're right, if we would have lost them game games, we, we were looking at, we were staring at, you know, a proper relegation fight and we would have needed someone who has experience at that type of fight. Mm. So I think you're spot on there. And, you know, thankfully it didn't come to that, but, you know, Duncan deserves a lot of credit uh, for, for, for dragging us back to a point where we could actually appoint someone we didn't feel under immense pressure just to keep the club up because, like you say, there's no way Ancelotti was going to be taking on an Everton team that was, you know, in the bottom two or, you know, potentially bottom of the league. Mm. We'll, we'll stick with us for this one So I think the Reds might need five minutes to think about their answer and give a little breather. Uh, judge you the worst moments, the lowest moments of the season for you. <laughs> oh, um, oh, that, that five-two game was pretty bad, but you know what? Yeah, no, it has to be the the five two at Anfield. As it, I, I can't pick out a moment in that game. You know, was it was it when Origi lobs Pickford? Um, the, the, it's from the way it got. I mean, I remember just standing there, and, and I've been in a lot of. And we said this after the game. I've been in a lot of away ends at Anfield where it was anger and real animosity, but it was just total utter shock and you know submission. And and I think the Red says it. You know, Terry and Phil and Gary said that. They could feel it themselves. It was almost like it's not even funny. It's, we can't even like take the piss out of them because they're, felt a bit they're just sly, yeah, on, the, on the knees, yeah. Um, 
it was like there was a bit of mercy on from the and that felt worse. Yeah. So yeah, without a doubt for me the five two. I mean I was I was gonna say Curtis Jones' whopping goal, but that that was a it was a ridiculous goal and it, and it was just just felt like one of them nights really. And we we should have we should we should have got a few ourselves before that went in, but it was nowhere near as horrible as that five two was. I think you were at that five two game and I weren't. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna actually go against what you said. My lowest moment is the FA Cup game at Anfield because we were coming off a really good Christmas periods. We had Carlo Angelotti, we were entering the transfer window and we were all, you know, morale was quite high. Yeah. Plus there was big rumours which turned out to be true that Liverpool were going to play a, a half-hearted team. Liverpool did not want to beat Everton that day and the trust that they have for Jürgen Klopp, Liverpool fans were holding their hands up and saying, okay, play the kids and we'll give them yeah. a game. We don't expect to win and to get turned over is the most Everton thing I've ever seen in my life and I, I remember leaving that ground because walking to the grounds, we were together yeah. And it was just like we, we thought we're finally going to see Everton win at Anfield and we're going to go out and we're going to have a few pints and I don't care what the red team off their team we're beating the pool at Anfield and to have, to have that slammed your pogs turned over in one go and turned back on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I, like the I, remember just, the pogs. I remember just feeling so low at full time and it was just that that's the worst moment for me. A very, a very close one was the the Norwich game at home. Remember, it was oh. um, the wet the baby's head for your little boy, weren't it? We yeah. were going out and we talked. Camwell, weren't it? Camwell danced yeah. in the area and just slotted under. We ended, up walk, we ended up walking to town from Goodison, didn't we? Because we couldn't get a taxi. Just to try and, like, yeah. <laughs> that was just a low moment. <laughs> was, yeah, the, the lowest moment of that day, and, and obviously it's it's a bit of a, a personal one, was that boozer we stopped in on the way to oh, town. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to name the boozer <laughs> in case anyone who listens to it knows the person who owns it, but we stopped in the in the grimmest booze that I've ever drank in my life. It was it was a proper throwback, <laughs> but it was a throw. It wasn't a good throwback. You know, where like pubs in the old days, I imagine, in like the, even in the nineties and eighties, were proper pubs. This was it should have been a throwback pub, but they were trying to be like modern, weren't they? And I was yeah. weird like techno music. On. It was it was mad, but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a grim day. That did things pick up when you got to town? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think so. I think, I, I, I think um, seeing you in a bad shape. Sounds like you can't remember much after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he still remembers you looking at Paul. <laughs> so. Terry, let's start with you for the Reds. Um, the lowest moment of the season for you? Um, well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a liberty and go for two. I mean, going out the Champions League to Atletico Madrid was a was a particular low. Um, just because I, I I didn't really see that happening to be honest and. As well as they defended and stuff in the first game and all that, like I still, still sort of felt like one moment that lapse of concentration, you know, in the away legs just, just really sort of hurt us really early on, you know, in the first couple of minutes, and still thought we were the better side and stuff, and, and I thought we, you know, we can, we can get through this time, and to not get through it because of a couple of mistakes by Adrian, you know what I mean? Adam Fields is was was pretty Last disappointing. Well, that, that's up there for me, as I say it. Yeah, you know what I mean? It just absolutely killed us and it was just like and and I really did see us sort of maybe getting into a third final in three years, you know, which would have been some achievement. Um so that that's that's the one for me. But the other one I'm I'm gonna have to say it is is the fact that you know, I go to the game with my dad and all that and, 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 and a couple of the lads and stuff and you know, going the game is is, is so like it's just a boss boss thing, isn't it? You know, going the going the match, having your bevy afterwards and all that and 
And we were sort of ticking off the games, knowing that we were going to be close to winning this league, you know, and getting to see it at home, you know, possibly in a home game on a Saturday. You know, we were sort of looking ahead what fixtures would have fallen on. And we were potentially two games away from that before, you know, locked up. Well, the Watford defeat sort of extended it an extra week. And then when that Arsenal game got cancelled for the coronavirus, I knew we were not going to, we're not going to see us. We're not going to see it. We're not going to be in the ground to see it. And that was that was a particularly sort of horrible moment to have that rob from you to know that you're going into lockdown and then you know you're you're not gonna get to enjoy that that moment, mm. you know that other other fans have had when their team have won the league after such a long wait, and to enjoy it in a, in at a moment when I go the game with me dad and all that and you know what I mean and such would I hope we're there, we're going to be there again but my dad's in his sixties you know what I mean you sort of you just you hope that you're going to get to experience that 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 moment together and. It's one of them. It's just like that. That that. If for a different reason, it's just like you know, pissed me off because it was just it, you, you've you've had that 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 special time sort of nick from you a little bit, um, and you'd, you'd be made up for it a little bit towards the back end. You know, with being you know, as I say, but not the same as it as 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 knowing that you you're potentially going to get the win, the three points you need on home turf in front of your fans and and re- and, and 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 seal the deal. So that that's got to be up there for me. You know what I mean? As being that moment being stolen. Yeah, yeah, because of coronavirus. Yeah, yourself. Yeah, I've got to pick. You know, just kind of obvious, really, because we haven't lost many games. So when we did lose one, three um, nil to Watford, it was the manner of that defeat as well. Three nil, and and we we were mm. really really poor. I was hoping we were going to go, yeah. you know, you know, the whole season maybe without a defeat. So uh, that one hurt. It happens on on friggin' twenty ninth of Feb as well. Leap year, fake day. So we maybe we can just pretend <laughs> it never happened. But, um, <laughs> but also, proper, also, that's proper Liverpool. Also, Chelsea going out the cup 2 0. <clears throat> yeah. That, that was a bit of a, a disappointing one as well. Going, going out 2 0 and going out to an absolute rocket of a Barkley strike as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, Compounds and the misery. Yeah. It's yeah. one of my yeah, low moments, actually. <laughs> it's okay. Let, let, let's let's bring it back around then towards um, player of the season. Um, I'll start off for the Blues. Judgy minds with Charlison. Um, he got one less goal than Calvert Lewin, so people might look at that and say, "Well, why?" But to me, he offers something that Calvert Lewin doesn't. He can hurt teams in different ways. Mm. Um, yes, Bernard can do that sometimes. Luca Dini can do that sometimes, but. I think Richardson gives you a lot more than just goals and a lot more than just crosses. He's one of those players that when he gets the ball, you know Everton are about to attack. You get you get ready to stand up. And if he's not on the team sheet, I don't think we've got much of a chance of winning the game. So for me, I'd say Richardson. How about you? Yeah, I, I couldn't really argue with that. And, and I think we said, I actually remember talking about this in the start of the season and saying that we. I'm hoping Richardson can just become one of them players that there is a bit of a, a bit of a talismanic player for us that when he plays, we win. I think genuinely this season, although he still hasn't turned up often enough for me, I can I can say I've certainly seen the improvements in him, and I've seen him win a lot of games single-handedly, and that's that for me, you know, is the sign of potentially a world-class player. He's not quite there yet, but he's a lot closer than he was at the start of the season. Um, just to just to give a different perspective. I'm going to go with Mason Holgate. Um, again, we started the season, and I certainly started the season not being sure whether he has a, a long, whether he was a long-term prospect for us, uh, both as a, you know, as, as a defender and just as a player in general. He's, he's went out on loan at West Brom last year, 
they played him, you know, in, in the right back and right wing back position. And he clearly took a lot from that experience, um, you know, playing the championship rough and tumble. But he got kind of thrust into that centre back position again this season and he's been impeccable. Um, you know, he's had the odds the odd slip up, the odd bad game, but you know, I don't think there's many players there's no one in our squad who hasn't had a couple of poor games this season, but considering the fact that up 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 until this point he hasn't really had a you know, a solid run in the team to perform the way that he did in some games and even, you know, to get put into midfield at Old Stratford and, and be man of the match, you know, it, it was it says a lot about the way he's grown as a person as well as a player. So for me I'm gonna go with Mason Allgate. Mm, no, it's, a, it's a very good shout. Phil, bring it over to you. Liverpool's player of the season in your eyes. Well, I've jotted down five players here, but I think for me, without <laughs> doubt. It's hard to decide, look. Phil, we're on the clock here. Judge, on holiday. He wants to get off. Um, no, Henderson for me, the captain, um, he's just gone to a yet another level. And his leadership, his performances on the pitch, the manner in which he's gone about his work this season, for me, he's uh, easily, easily my player of the season. Teddy, would you agree with that? Or another alternative? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one, really, because, you know, I think he, he pro- I probably would agree with it, you know what I mean? Um, we've got another one, another category coming up a bit later where he, he'll probably fit into that one as well, but... I don't really, I can't really look past them to be honest. And I said it a couple of weeks ago when he got, you know, when we were doing the pod and he got the football writers um, awards. And I did say I think it was fully deserved, you know, for 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 the manner that he sort of came through when we needed him, um, and when we, Fabinho got injured and he was he was one of the most important players at the time. Um, and for Henderson to come in and, and drop back into that defensive mid role and, and and just be an absolute monster in it, um, and then sort of carry us through a little bit of a difficult spell, you know, through through the Christmas period when we were missing Fabinho. Absolutely phenomenal, and I think he, you know, he, he, he has embodied, you know, this Liverpool team not stopping now and putting the foot on the gas and just being relentless. Um, and and for all them reasons, I think he's a, he's a deserved winner. I think, like, if I have to give another name because Phil said Henderson, I, I probably would have give it to Marnie. Um, I just every time, every every season, I just he gets better as well. Do you know what I mean? And he, he just thrives on pressure and being a big. I, man I think he's your best player. As someone who doesn't support Liverpool and looks at Liverpool, I would say if Marnie doesn't play in a derby, I'm, I'm more happy than, than Henderson or anyone else. Yeah, he's just a you know he's a he's, he's a terrifying prospect for opposition, isn't he? Because he's he can do everything. He's fast. He's he's tenacious. He's aggressive. You know, he's powerful. He, he can finish. He, he he's got everything. So. You know, if I had to give a different name, it'd be Marnie. But I think, you know, I agree with Phil. I think Henderson's a deserved the winner of that award for us this okay. season. Next one is we've got Dan. Who must do better? Um, how long have you got? Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, what my answer is, I'm going to try and limit it to people who, who I want to see here yeah. Next, yeah. next season. So I've got to go with Andre Gomez. Um, I think so. for someone, to give him a bit of a, a leeway, he plays better in a three than a two. And he's missing a Drissa Garner guy. So there's two big factors. Um, he had a career-ending injury almost, which he's came back from. But even before then, when you put his stats next to like someone like Hoiberg, who we'll link with, and, and he, he doesn't come near it, he's the most dribble-pass player, I think, or one of the most dribble-pass players yes. in the Premier League. And you just think there's, there's so much more that you could give us because we've seen it. We, we've seen it when you came on loan. And this season, we didn't get it from him. He's, he's flattered to deceive. And because of the first season, because we did shell out big money for him based on that, I do think 
there's more to come. So I would like him to stay and, and play a part next season. But I'd be lying if I didn't say must do better goes next to his name. Judgey. Um, I'm going to go with Luca Dean. Uh, again, I'm going to go for a player that I would like to see as key. Um, and I think he's got potentially a long-term you know, place in the size. And, and you know, we, we would like to see him progress. And that's why I want to see him do better. Um, I think, he, you know, he's shown on many occasions and he's shown towards the back end of last season that he, he can be, you know, one of the best fullbacks in the league. <clears throat> is you know his distribution's fantastic. Is he's got loads of energy, pace. He's decent one v one. You know he can be susceptible at times. You know going defensively, but you know he's certainly certainly good enough. Um, but far too many games this season. He's just it's just passed him by. You know he he's chose to just pass sideways and backwards. Whereas last season he was looking to you know be positive to go and beat a man to go and link up. And um, like you said with Gomez, I think there's. There's, there's maybe reasons for that. I think he, he, he's had some personal problems this season. Um, you know, he, he hasn't had, uh, you know, Bernard in the team a lot of the time, which would be another player on that list, to be honest. But mm. I'm not sure, to be honest, if he has got a, a long-term future at the club. But for me, he's a player who could be, you know, one of the best full-backs in the league, but far too many occasions this season has not done enough and has not provided the contribution that he should do and, and, and could do from that position. No, fair enough. Terry, is there anyone that you look on at Liverpool squads and would put must do better next to his name? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one because he hasn't played a lot of games. But I think, I think Kata for me would be the one that I want to see next season do much better. You know, he's a player we paid fifty-seven million. I think it was potentially rising to sixty odd million. You know, and. I think he's only played 18 games, 18 league games for Liverpool this season. You know, he's in his second season at Liverpool and it's like, you've we've seen flashes of it. A lot of them games were, you know, after the lockdown and he, he, he was probably the most like influential player for that little spell after lockdown. Um, so he's, he's starting to maybe show what we paid, you know, for. But for me, for someone to, to be our marquee signing and, and, and for us to shell out that much money, and for me to still be underwhelmed by a lot of what I've seen of him this season, as I say, before the lockdown when he's came in, and and for me to still wonder where does he fit and, and what's his role and what does he actually do, I just want to see. I want to see him carry what the little the form that he finished the season and into next season and really really step up now and be a major major part of this Liverpool team because I don't really think he's got much more time on his side. I think if if he still isn't, you know, he's still getting injured all the time and not really flattered into the sea when he when he plays games and, and he's not really making a big impact by Christmas. I think there's every chance that Liverpool start to look to cut the losses because you can't afford to have a sixty million quid asset that basically, you know, does bits here and there but not really sort of doing anything. Um so I think him for me and, and, and as I say it, it's slightly unfair because he hasn't played a lot of games and you don't know whether that's down to Klopp or, you know, or what injury if there's been injuries and stuff. But I'm still, I'm, I'm still lukewarm on him. I'm still, I'm still undecided, and I want to see more. Um, so hopefully, he can show me that next year. Bill, anyone in a red shirt that you look at this season, I think sh- sh- must do better next season. Well, I think it's really difficult when you look around the squads. I think Nab- Nabi Keita was the obvious one for me as well. Um, he, he is doing better more recently, but we, yeah. he's got to carry it on and, and give us a full season of it. Um, it's very hard to pick anyone out, outside of that, but don't jump down my throat on this one, Terry. Let me finish, because if, what I will say is that if, if I look at, at White Genie Wijnaldum, right, and I'm made, I think he's one of the best centre midfielders there is. 
one of the best I've seen, and I absolutely love him. But I mean this in a literal sense, because if, Na- if Naby Keita does step up, then Genie Wijnaldum must do better if he wants to keep his place in the team, because you've got Fabinho, who's probably in the big games in particular, he's a nailed-on starter. Henderson's not droppable. So it's Wijnaldum whose place is up for grabs there if Keita does continue this form. And, and, and how can Wijnaldum do better? There's not much more he can do, but maybe he can contribute more in attack to goals, even though he has scored a few headers and, and got a couple, of, a couple of goals along the way. But maybe there's a little bit more in Wijnaldum. Maybe he can give us an extra 5%. And, and if he can, he must if he wants to retain his place. Yeah, for a moment there, I thought you were going to say Firmino. I thought you were going to um, say Asimov. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, mean, I, I thought you were going to say Firmino and, and, and I half wouldn't have disagreed a little bit because although he's been important to us and he's scored in so many away, game, in so many away games, he, he, there was just moments through this season where he'd just hit low patches of form, you know, and not really. Mm-hmm. And then he'd come back and you'd be like, oh, he's, he's back again. And I don't know, it just felt like that was happening a little bit too much, more often than it has in previous seasons with Firmino. And then so only scored his first home goal in the last game of the season. You know, it's a bit of a yeah. tail in and of itself, isn't it? So, I, I can't really say he needs to do better, but there was, yeah. you know, there's just a little, a little something that maybe he just needs a bit, a bit of a rest. You know, he just needed a bit of a blow. He plays a lot of games for Liverpool and, and Brazil as well, so it could be that. But we'll, we'll see what happens. But I thought I did think that was what you were going to say, yeah. and that was why you said don't jump down my throat. Let's stay with the Reds for the next question. Oh, yeah, I could have said that. For- Yes, stay with the Reds for the next question. Sorry, uh, Terry, from August up until now, or, or two weeks ago, the most improved player this season in Liverpool share for you? Well, as, as I said before, I think, you know, I probably could have said Henderson for this because I think he has just gone to another level, you know, and I've, I've criticised him in the past and, and I'll, I've got no shame in saying that, you know what I mean? And, and it was mainly when he played in that defensive midfield role and I thought he's just not good enough at it and it's not his job. That shouldn't be where he's playing. When he dropped into it this season, I thought he was phenomenal, and I was like, "Wow, where's where's this came from?" You know, like he's just since since he's lifted a couple of trophies for Liverpool, he's just gone to another plane. And I think you could make a case that he is the most improved player for Liverpool. You know, even though he's been he's been like one of our better, you know, one of our top players for for a long time. He's the captain of the club. Um, so in a weird way. I am going to say Anderson because in my mind he's gone from a, as Phil just said there he's undroppable. He is, and 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 I don't think I just you know at the end of last season or up to up to probably say twelve months ago, just before you know we had that run of form going up to the Champions League final against Spurs, I wouldn't have said Henderson's undroppable, even though he was captain of the team. But now I think uh, you know I've made that case that he is at the moment he, in this in the form he's been in this season he is undroppable, and and I think that's it. That's you know. A, a sign of, of how professional he is and, and he keeps getting better as a player you know he, he, he doesn't want to stop learning and and, and, and his impact has grown um, so I, I think I'm going to say Henderson is my most improved player as well as the player of the season Yeah I've, I've actually written down Henderson with a question mark but it, it's even weirder for me to say it because I've always rated him really highly anyway I, I was you know always on, on the Henderson bandwagon so, but I do agree with Terry that he's gone to another level Terry when did Nico Williams make his debut? Was it this season or did we see any of them last this year? This season. I'm losing track now. This season. This season. This season. Yeah. So he can't be the most improved. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe he's one to watch. But um, yeah, no, I'll have to just agree with Henderson. I can't, everyone else is, you know, kind of Trent. maintaining a level. He was amazing last season, wasn't he? 
he was, but I think he's he, he's certainly grown, hasn't he, in terms of he's far more comfortable in that Liverpool team now, knowing that he's a major, I think, major uh, part of it. Just and to I think, jump in, I think that goal at Leicester, what, what a massive goal that yeah. was, and, and it was a great performance, but I think that's shown, he kind of took the ball by the horns a little bit, didn't he? It was, it was a cracking goal, and it was probably a, a really pivotal, pivotal moment for you, wasn't it? Because it was one of those fixtures where you thought, if you lose there, you know, it... it, it yeah, you know, it can be a little bit yeah. wobbly, but and, it was a massive game for yeah. us. I think from outside looking in, I think that's where he's come on. You know, he scored a few goals before then, didn't he? But they were always in games that were like free with your free kicks, and they were in games where you know it didn't really matter as much. Whereas that was a that was a big game, a big moment, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and I th- and I think you know. For, for someone his age to, to sort of come in, as you say, he was brilliant last year, but for someone of his age to come in and, and, and look so comfortable, you know, in this Liverpool dominant side, you know, and to, to, to just fit and, and not, not look out of place or look out of sorts and for the assist that he's got and stuff, he's basically redefining what a right-back is in the modern age and he's a, he's a child, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think you've got to say he's... he's He's up there, one of the most improved players. I, I mentioned before that I had a couple of players written down there for my player of the season, and Trent was one of them. He's definitely up there for me mm. in the top, top three or four. But um, yeah, and, and he carries himself with a different authority this year, I think. You know, like when it comes to free kicks and that, he, his chest is out. He's the main man. He's taking the free kick, no questions asked. Mm. So there are areas where he stepped up on last year, and I think it's just that air of seniority and authority and and he's becoming more of a leader on yeah. the pitch rather than someone who needs to be led. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in the real derby, it's back to us to kick off again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got one, one to watch next season for you. Yeah, so can I pick, can I pick Ancelotti? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> oh, God, that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, one to, you know what? I'm going to go with Calvin-Lewin. Um, just because he, he's had a bit of a what, what he would class as a bit of a breakthrough season this season with you know being the, the club's leading goal scorer. What's he ends up with? Thirteen league goals. Fourteen, I think it was. Actually, Fourteen, yeah. yeah. Which you know, it's, it's no no mean feat that for, for someone his age, and certainly for someone who going into the season we were all saying you know he's never going to be a, a goal scorer as long as he's got you know a hole in his backside. Um, so I think next season he's got to be a player to watch because you know we need to see if he, if he can go again and and if he can get. That'll lose of twenty goals, which will you know make him a a force and a, and a player that Ancelotti might count on. I'd be surprised if we didn't go and buy you know a forward in the window, someone who is going to kind of give him an opportunity to to rest because I think he's he's needs of that in the last few weeks. But um, you know, I, I wouldn't say one to watch because he's a player that you know is an up and coming player. I think we know a lot about Carlo Lewin, but I think he's one to watch because. It's whether now he can go again or whether we've seen the best of him this season. Mm. When I seen this question, I thought it, it's a tough one for us to answer because the transfer windows, we, we don't know how active we're going to be. There's rumours now that we're not going to be very active unless we sell. And that's yeah. going to be a, th- a thankless task. So just for the trust that he seems to have put in him so far, I'd say Anthony Gordon for me. I think he's mm. going to be I think he's going to be part of things next season. He, he looks exciting. He looks someone who's quite... Um, the, the rawness hasn't been coached out of him yet, if that makes sense. Yeah. He looks like he's a free yeah. spirit and every time he gets the ball, he, wa- he wants to attack. Um, I also think Jared Braithwaite as well. I think he's looked really composed. Braithwaite, yeah. yeah. If we don't bring another centre-half in, 
he's going to get minutes because Michael Keane and Yeri Mina are in front of him, so he's going to have to get minutes. So I think he's shown enough to me that if, if he's not loaned out for progression, that he'll be a very good player and, and want to want to share next season for us. Uh, Phil, from the red side, one to watch, in your opinion, next season? Okay, well, I think the main one that I'm most excited to go and watch next season is Curtis Jones. Um, I, you know, I do think Nico Williams is going to be an exciting little player, but I still see that his opportunities are going to be limited. I think Curtis Jones is, is going to be competing with my other one to watch, actually, which, which is Navi Keita. Um, I, I see them as being a kind of similar level. I think people might sort of disagree with that and think that Keita's miles ahead of Curtis Jones but from what I've seen every time Curtis Jones has stepped on that pitch he's got the confidence the ability he's direct still learning still a bit raw here and there but that's exactly what one to watch means and I think I think uh, he could come good and, and, and be a real superstar Teddy? Yeah I, I don't really disagree with Phil to be honest I, you know I, I right think he's say? right I think Curtis Jones <laughs> yeah, I think Curtis Jones is one is certainly one to watch. You know, he he hasn't done himself any harm in terms of you know impressing Liverpool fans. He's been been remarkable to see him come through, and and again it, to to see him look so comfortable in the team and he has played. But I am going to say Cater um, just because of the way. But like I said before, I think he finished the season strongly, and you know there's, there's a serious world class player there. But if if we get any and like what we've seen, he could do. You know, when he was in when he when he was at Red Bull, so. I am going to say him. I think you know he, he he's got he's got all of the tools in his bag to come and be, uh, you know, one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. He just needs to put it together and do it more consistently. And I think if 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 we see that next season, then pff, watch out. You know what I mean? Because it, 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 it'll absolutely tear things up. So I am going to say Kater, but you know I think it's fair fair to say Nico Williams and and Curtis Jones are, are both going to be in there with shouts as well, and probably Harvey Elliott might start to get a couple of nibbles as well. You know, here and there in, in cups and stuff again. Um, we've seen bits of him this season, but you know, in, 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 he's still incredibly yeah. young. But I imagine he'll start to get little bits of uh, more domestic stuff. So we'll see what happens. Throw another name in the hat there, Terry Ryan Brewster. He's been, he's done nothing but score goals since since the. We've come back since the restart. Um, I don't know if he's got a future in the first team squad next season or not, but either, whether he's with Liverpool or not, still definitely want to keep an eye on to see what he can do next year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fair shout, as you say. I think he scored in every game after lockdown, didn't he, or something like that. Um, so he, he certainly hasn't done himself any harm. As you say, can, can I see him breaking into the Liverpool team? Not quite <laughs> sure. When he did play bits, you know, I, I thought he looked a bit, a, a bit raw and, and off the you know off the quality that we needed, but you know he, he's not doing any himself any 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 arm when he's on loan and he's scoring goals. So I think it, he'll be one to watch maybe from afar if he goes out on loan again, or you know as I say in the same same vein as Harvey Elliott in, in maybe some of the domestic cups like the League Cup or whatever, or, or depending on what happens with that. You know, I'm surprised if if, um, if Fulham didn't take him on loan. You know a Championship mm. club who've seen him first hands. And obviously, it'd be a good connection for him to go and play for the Premier League club then as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a good shout. So, no, he, he's one to keep an eye on, certainly. Definitely. I think it's a good shout. Same with you, Teddy, for the next question. Is there a game or, or a moment in the season that you wish you could you could change? Yeah, Alisson injuring his hip in training before the Chelsea game. Um, and then we basically had Adrian in goal for Chelsea. We made a mistake for Williams. First, first goal, um, and then we had to have Adrian in goal for the Atletico game as well, where he made a couple of mistakes. So, 
I think if if Allison hadn't have injured his hip, I think we'd be in both competitions, uh, and, and I'm I'm confident in saying that because I just don't think he'd have made them mistakes that Adrian made. As good as Adrian has been, as, as I've said previously, when we've called on him in them two games, coming in close proximity and making mistakes, big mistakes that have cost us, you know, positions in cups in later in the later stages of cups. I think you know that's the one moment that I'd change if I, if Allison could have stayed fit. I think we're, we're, we're maybe talking about just possibly even being in with a shout of winning them competitions rather than being out of them. So that would be the one that I'd change. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with Terry on that. That would be my moment as well. But just for, you know, to throw something different in the hat, um, two 2-1 defeat recently to Arsenal, two mistakes from, from I think, one from Arsenal and one from Van Dijk. And the reason I picked that game is because that was the one that saw the 100-point total get yeah. away from us so yeah. that'd be a nice one to go back and change and, and have another record yet another record to this season um, yeah. I, I think from my point of view it's not really a moment it's actually I'd say the transfer window in the summer I think there was a lot of things that we that we needed addressing and, and we were the, we caused our own problems in that transfer window because we knew what we needed we needed to replace address a guy who the club must have known was going he must have we needed to replace Kurt Zuma who the club must have had an, an an idea, who the club must have had an idea, was, was not going to stay around. We needed a goal scorer. We didn't get one. We got Moise Kino's potential. We needed competition for Jordan Pickford. We didn't get it. We got the Huddersfield goalkeeper and sent him back the next window. It, it just went so wrong. We, we chased Wilfred Zaha for, for six weeks and then bought, yeah. a, then bought a Wobie. If you're chasing someone for that long, even if it's not the right deal, i.e. Sigurdsson, you've got to get it over the line. You can't then say on the last day, where's plan B? It was so mm. unprofessional. And it's funny to say transfer window because based on that, we've got Carlo Angelotti and there's brighter days ahead, in my opinion. And if we got that right, then yeah. we, we wouldn't be where we are now. But for me, yeah. it was, that was the downfall for us. Oof. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. I, I didn't, I didn't really look at the transfer window, and I know you, you kind of apologise for saying that, but I think it's a, it was a massive factor because we, Marco Silva went into the season unprepared. I think, like you say before, we, we went into the season unprepared. It, it was, it, it was tough, and and, and you know we, we've a, a lot of Everton fans, myself and you included, have been and critical of, of Pickford this season, but I've also been quick to say, well, you know, clearly there's a lack of other goalkeepers out there. No, and, and and I don't think he should be the necessarily the target, but I don't think we would have seen some of the complacency and arrogance that we have seen from him if he was about an able, you know, uh, deputy in there who come in and step in for him. Um, so no, I, th- I think it's a really good point in, in terms of other 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 pivotal moments um, that, that I look back on. Um, I think I think you know again being being dismantled the way we were at Anfield it is hard to look past anyway, but I think that's just a that was just a game the game itself. I think that you know the the decision to 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 get rid of Silva when we did I think looking back with hindsight the benefit of hindsight I think we maybe done it too late you know and I can't say I wasn't an advocate of um, of keeping Silva at the time but when you look at the impact that. Ferguson was able to have, and you look at the time that, that Ancelotti's had since that moment. I think you know, as he as he come in slightly earlier because he, he he probably still could have done. You know, would that have changed things? I don't know. Uh, tricky question, but I think your response is probably the better one uh, on reflection. 
Right, and to stay with us before we move on to the Reds, uh, the best goal of the season for you, Judgy? Leighton Baines again against um, against Leicester. Crack and strike from it again. You know, it's, it's it, it probably probably adds to it now that you know they, he's retired or he, he's certainly you know he's never going to play for the club again. They'll look back at that more fondly. But I just think at the time, you know, I say literally the time it being an injury time of a cup game. You know, and it was a brilliant strike. Um, there's been a few from Charleston as well this season that I've, I've you know, I can remember. But yeah, I'm going to go with Leighton Baines because I remember at the time, it was the best I've felt in terms of celebrating the goal. Uh, I think for me, um, for, for the team goal I'll go for was the winner at Wofford, uh, where we broke our pace. And I think it was Luca Dean, uh, Richarlison, Moise Keane. Oh, yeah, and, it was, yeah, Moise uh, Keane. Yeah. And, and Walcott. Didn't he miss it? Moise Keane missed it, though. And he, and he got the assist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, you see teams like that, and, and not only teams, you see top teams doing that on, on a regular basis, just dismantling other teams at pace, and they can't cope with it. And that goal, I know it's only Watford's, but it was 2-2, we had 10 men, and it got us three points, and they couldn't cope with it. Uh, for me, teams like, like, teams like that score goals all the time. And for us to score a goal like that was, was pleasing. And I hope there's more to come next season of, of that kind of football. Well, it's, it's, it's apt to say that because I think if you look at the selections that Ancelotti's made since he's come in, and he, he always, when he can, goes for pace on the flanks, doesn't he? I think that's one of the reasons why Bernard has, to a certain extent, been frozen out. Andy Gordon's got a lot more pace than I thought he had. Walcott plays every time that Ancelotti has him available. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's... The fact that Angelotti rates Walcott, I just think he loves to have pace mm. down the sides. And you know, we're looking at this window and obviously things to look forward to. I think that's one of the things that he'll be looking to address. It is really increasing that raw pace, so we can counteract, uh, count sorry, counterattack more often than, than we than we're able to at the moment. Yeah. Terry, what would you say the Liverpool goal of the season? Um. For me, it's got to be the Fabinho Thunderbolt at Anfield against City. You know, um, not not only was it a, an amazing strike itself, you know, technically, you know, he just picked it up and absolutely wellied it and it went like a rocket, you know what I mean? And it, it was a boss goal, but for what it meant in the, in the context of the title race, you know, it was November when, when, when we played City at Anfield and I think we were six points clear um, at the top and... You know, we've been there before. You know, in in, in the season before, where we, I think we had, at one point we went ten, I think it was ten points clear, and then City played the next day and took it back to seven, and we didn't seize our opportunity to open up gaps. You know, like in, in last season. So for for being able to bang that strike in and for us to win three one around field, you know, and just take it away from them because in, in fairness, we were just the better finishers in that game around field. I think City actually played quite well. Do you know what I mean? And. But we we just took our chances and, and and just put them to the sword. So that Fabinho strike to, to take us nine points clear at the top in November, you know, going into it, going into Christmas and, and give us that little cushion was certainly for it in in, in for, for a number of reasons. The strike itself and, and for what it meant in the context of the title race to sort of just let City know that you know we're going again here this season. Um, so that that would definitely be my goal of the season. Bill, would you agree yeah. with that? Or you've got an alternative. Well, there's been a lot to choose from, and um, Fabinho's goal against City actually come in at number three for me. Um, I've took meaning out of it for the, for the sake of this exercise, but um, number two on my list was, do you remember Ox's goal against Napoli? Uh, yeah. Outside of his foot, it was mad technique. Absolutely. He bent it into yeah. the top left. It was, uh, I don't think many players would be capable of that. 
Um, so that that was number two. But number one was um, Salah's goal against Newcastle, and it was mainly because of Bobby Firmino's little flick to him. It was just a lovely piece of interplay between our, uh, you know, two of our forward players there, and that's what makes Liverpool so hard to play against. It makes us so special, as that, and that's why you know what you can't really buy anyone to come in and and replace or. or None of the subs can come on and have the same type of uh, type of impact because the chemistry between the, the front three players that we've got, you just can't find it. You can't replace it. You, you, you can't, you know, imitate it. And you know, it was never summed up more than it was in in that Newcastle game between Bobby and Mo for that goal. Yeah, you said you said Oxide Chamberlain's goal against Napoli. It was Genk, wasn't it? I was Genk. I know. They, I was just thinking back. Yeah, it was Genk. Yeah, the team playing. Yeah. In, like yeah, blue, yeah, yeah like blue, blue and white, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it, it, was, it was gank, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, sorry, boss, yeah. Boss, boss calls, you know what I mean. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with them either. I went for the one meaning as well, but um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Do you remember Salah's goal with his right foot from a dead tight angle, Terry? I can't remember who that was against, but um, one of our mates, Jim, um, the, the like earlier on the game said Salah can't bloody use his right foot, and then he put one in from by the corner, like with the inside of his right foot. Don't yeah. know. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, wasn't Chelsea, was it? Anyway. I, can't I, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't think who it was, but I know what one you mean, yeah. Right, that's to bring us to one of our final questions for the season review. What gaps need filling in the summer and expectations for next season? Let's let's stick with <laughs> let's, let's let's stick with the Reds because I think the Blues are going, going to go into extra time with our bit. So. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, just before we, we go into this section, we've had a couple of social media questions, but they relate specifically to this question. So I'll just read them out for each team before we start. Um, on the red side, we've got John on, on the email, and he wants to know if we're worried by the matchup to PSG links. In his opinion, he's an ideal backup to Gomez, um, and losing him would be problematic to Liverpool going forward. Um. Uh, listen, I, I, I think Matip has, has, you know, improved as a player since we've signed him. Um, I think, you know, for me, he, when we needed him last season and, you know, in the second half of the season, he was phenomenal. He stepped up when Gomez was injured and, and he looked almost world class, you know, alongside Van Dijk. But was a worry if we'd lost Matip? I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think he's a very capable backup, but I, I do worry about him if we lost Van Dijk as the backup. I don't think he's authoritative enough, Matip. Um, and I, I, I think I'd worry about Matip and Gomez as a partnership. As good as Gomez is, you know, he's still a very, very young centre half, and I don't think Matip's got that leadership quality that you need to, to replace a Van Dijk. Um, so make no mistake about it, I'd like him to stick around because I think he, as I say, he's, he, he's a very capable backup. But you know, I, I, I don't think we should be terrified of losing someone who's at the, he's in the twilight of his career I suppose he's you know he's, he's getting on for his, his, his late th- well not late 30s but early 30s isn't he <laughs> um, and I, I think there's there's other options out there um, so I'm not going to say that I'd be like terrified of losing him I think I think we can we can find you know sufficient cover if we did lose him but I'd like him to stay as part of the squad because I do think he's he's a, he's a good player um, I'd still like us to sign another centre half though, and and maybe Matter then looks at maybe being the fourth choice as opposed to being the absolute backup. Because as I say, I just don't think he's authoritative enough to replace a Van Dijk. You can come in and slot alongside Van Dijk if Gomez gets injured, but I'd, I'd be worried if it was Gomez and Matter as our centre half pairing for long spells of the season. To be honest, 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily, but I would be worried in the sense of it wouldn't be easy to replace him. So, whereas Terry's saying there that there's plenty out there, you know, the part, defensive partnerships are all, you know, like the forwards are before. It's about chemistry and, and who matches who. And Matip does not necessarily partner uh, Gomez well, but he, he's a very, very good foil for Van Dijk. So, I'd be... Yeah, who isn't? Have you ever seen a player play alongside Van Dijk and not look good yeah, no. or better? Do you know what I mean? Besides maybe Lovren, but so, he's, I'm sure he's Southampton can, can come up with a few. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but do you know what I mean? Though he's like Van Dijk. Anyone looks good again alongside him, and I think the measure of the, the quality of the player is when Van Dijk isn't there. Do you still look quality? And I just, I'm not, I'm just not quite sure that I, I'd be convinced that Matip mm. can. You know well, I mean? well, let's so, address the section anyway, Terry. What do you think going forwards? What business would you like to see us do this summer? There's a couple of areas, I think, you know, the, the, the one that everyone talks about is back up for the front three. Um, and it's incredibly difficult to, to be able to say you're going to find someone who's going to be willing to sit on the bench because that's where they're going to be at Liverpool. You know, that front three is as good as any in world football. So to, to, to say that we're going to go and sign someone who's going to go and break that up, I think is, is naive. Um, so to find someone who's going to be willing to sit on the bench for large spells of the season and also then be able to come in cold and be capable of replacing a Salah, a Mane or a Firmino is, is an incredibly tough task. So I think we, we do need better than Origi as good as he's been in terms of getting us crucial goals. And he's, he's, you know, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a legend at Liverpool in his own little way. Um, I, I don't think he's good enough to start games, you know, when we've got injuries to the front three. Um, so we do need someone. Um, so that, that's something that, you know, Klopp and, and, and Michael Edwards are not going to have to work out because we definitely need an option there. But the, the, the other, the other thing that, you know, we probably are going to have to get a backup goalkeeper because you know Adrian. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what the situation is. I think as he as he left or is he still staying around or what? He was obviously brought in as a as a very short term stopgap, and you know he's been capable for us. But we we probably do need some sort of goalkeeping cover, and then left back. You know what I mean? Left back is is is, is a worry because if if Andy Robertson gets injured, you know you're looking at a Milner or someone playing left back and. It just doesn't work as well. You know, we lose so much penetration and stuff. And I, I, I do think we need to sign some left back cover. Um, you know, just you're not going to find someone who's going to replace Robertson and his assists and the way that he plays and, and who's got that sort of partnership with Mane straight away. But you can certainly get someone who's probably going to be an improvement on maybe like Larucci or, you know, something like that. Or I know there's, there's a couple of kids who, who've, who've been given chances, but I'm not quite sure that they're ready yet in the same way that Nico Williams yeah. looks capable of backing up Trent. So I, I'd be looking at left-back spot myself. Like, Yeah, no, we definitely need someone there. And in terms of a, a forward, I think it needs to be more of a wide forward myself. Um, someone like Amane or Salah is more like that sort of style than like a traditional centre-forward. Yeah, nine. yeah. Um, while, while we're on that money aside and, and obviously that was a factor when it comes to wages and stuff are you, are you particularly disappointed that you did miss out on Timo Werner? I'm not because he's exactly that type of player that I'm saying that we, we don't need um, it, it, Timo Werner is a, a, a sort of like a leads the line and, and he's, a, he's a goal scorer he's not an intricate footballer he's going to drop deep let Mane and like, oh, he's definitely not he that is, type of player he, he, is, he plays, he plays off the left but I think I think I think where he's not a great fit at Liverpool is that, he, from what I've seen of him, he plays off the left, which is fine. You know, he, he gives you that it's what more you're like saying. Salad. No, but, but he, he's looking to play on the shoulder, like as a counter-attack player. And, and you know, for large parts of this season, we've played teams who have dug in with two banks of four, and 
you know, 10 men behind the ball. And then it's like, and, and, and that's where I agree with Phil. I'm not sure he's one who's going to jink through and make something happen, you know, in that team. Yeah, and I, sort of way. Not, I think he's a bit of a runner. He I is wouldn't a runner. necessarily agree with that either. I think, and, and we, we spoke about this on a, on a podcast that we didn't end up releasing, ironically, but it was with with um, with your cousin, Terry, who's an analyst, and we were talking about Timo Werner. Um, and the reason we didn't release it, by the way, is we spent most of the episodes talking about Timo Werner and he obviously then signed for, for Chelsea but um, I, I watched him quite a lot during lockdown or you know after after lockdown uh, when we come back and it was in games where the teams were kind of sitting in and kind of you know waiting for waiting to, to be broke down really um, by Red Bull and, and he, he was playing that role of kind of getting in the pockets and dropping deep into midfield kind of pulling his man out left right and centre and I never knew where he played in any of the games I watched them because he was just mm. such, you know, so tricky, and, and he, he constantly picked the ball up on the half turn in, in pockets and looked to combine with people. So the reason I asked that question is I really think he could be one that got away. I, I see it as someone who sits on the shoulder waiting for balls over the top. Really, yeah. I, I thought fast counter attack football, and I, I think he's, when he... he's very quick, so he's got that in his locker, and that's why when you were describing the play you were looking for, for me, Tim. And, and I think, look, we, we'll see. Obviously, time will tell. Um, we'll certainly see how he adjusts and plays with Chelsea um, and, and does for them. But I think he, long term, you know, yeah, well, for, your, for your case, hopefully he isn't. But it's a, di- it's a difficult, time. it's just a really difficult position. It's a fill, isn't it? It's someone to come in and, and provide decent backup to that front three. And I think, mm. I think Brewster will do a similar job to what Origi's done. So if we're getting rid of Origi and bringing Brewster in, it's kind of a player who's going to get your goals here and there and stuff, but maybe the the intricacy and the build-up play is isn't quite there. But to That's be honest, fair. to be honest, Teddy, the the um, despite all that, the one position we are strongly linked with is Thiago, isn't it? As as an attacking, well, not attacking, a sort of a, a deep centre playmaking midfielder. Um, yeah. So what what? what I, I... It's a strange one for me. I, I, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. He's an absolutely phenomenal footballer, but he's incredibly injury prone, and and yeah. it just doesn't seem like a Liverpool signing for me. He's like twenty nine. You know, he's gonna cost us a big fee because they're not gonna let him go cheap. Even though he'd be cheaper than he would have been a couple of years ago, but he's not gonna be cheap as such. He's gonna be in the thirty, forty million bracket. I, I'm not sure, me. I, I, you know, I, I'm just not sure. It's just it seems like such a. A, a weird one that doesn't really fit with with, with the signings we've made recently. Um, well, but listen, if Klopp feels that he can come in and do something, you know, then maybe. Why not? Alderman hasn't signed this this new contract yet, has he? And mm. maybe, maybe Klopp knows something that we don't. And and I really, really hope that Wijnaldum is not going to be leaving us anytime soon. But if he is, sort of Alcantara is an ideal Wijnaldum replacement. Mm. I think the. Only- the, the last one, just a, a quick one, because we we're talking about forwards for you know for for Liverpool, and we've we've made apparently made contact for, for with Warford, haven't we, for Ishmael Assar, who obviously is a one. He's a signing who's had potential. He's not the finished product, but from what I've seen of him for Watford, he's been one of the one of the players that you know has stood out for them this season. He does look like he's got talent. You know, he's a and it could be a very shrewd signing if we can go and sign him for you know not not too much money, because um, he does look like a player that's got. You know all the sort of stuff. He, 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 very almost Marnie-ish. You know, a couple of years ago when mm. we when we took, plucked him from Southampton, and 
and he's, he's a lot younger, but you know, I, I think he, he's, a, he's a player that I've been impressed with this season when I've seen Watford. Um, so it'll be an interesting one to see how that develops. It's funny that he, we, we've been linked with him, and, and all of the chat from Aaron was, oh, really? <laughs> I think he's a good player. I think yeah, he's a good player. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's different context, isn't it? You'd be looking at him going, okay, well, can we bring him on? We, we yeah. need a few more, a few, you know, finished products to kind of hit the ground running. It would still be to a certain degree a bit of an unknown quantity, wouldn't it? But it'd probably be worth yeah, a gamble for you, whereas it might just be you, you want a bit more of it. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, I think you've nailed it there. Yeah. That that's that's the difference. But I think he's a good player, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It was the one from on Twitter from Symes, I think, wasn't it for the for the Blues? I think he wanted to know if if the Blues could bring any three players in. Yeah, so on the blue side, we've had a couple of questions. One's come in from Ross. He said, hi, lads, can you read this out on here? What do the Blues think about the Liverpool Esco article um, saying that Tom Davis right back will save Everton millions? I think he could actually do well out there. <laughs> <laughs> Not one for George, well, that. Well, 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 come back to that. that. Um, and we've had another question. Um, does it feel that like Everton are being used by, as the opening bidders by clubs and players to prompt other clubs into a move? We've allegedly had offers accepted for Gabriel, Hoiberg, Reguilon, and all of a sudden other clubs have jumped in the queue for them. Do you think any of the players mentioned will end, will end up at Goodison? Uh, yeah, so I'll start with Ross's question. And, and look, the Echo have obviously wrote the article, so it's not, not Ross's point, um, you know, fault. And thanks for bringing it to our attention. But... I think it's laughable, to be honest, to, to, to talk about Tom Davies as being a, a, a long-term, even a deputy at right-back. Um, for me, and, and again, I, I, I've played at a lot lower level than, than Tom Davies or any of the players we're going to talk about, but I think any player who plays in both the right-back position or, or left-back position and also midfield, so think about your James Milners and think about your Steven Gerrards, who, who played right-back as well at times in his, early on in his career. And, and in midfield, Trent, you might step into midfield. All those players, uh, for me, as well as having a number of other qualities, are ferocious tacklers. They're, they're combative. They're really, you know, they're really good in one v one situations. But they're, they're very, they're very strong in a tackle. And it's the one thing that Tom Davies hasn't got. For me, he can't tackle. He's not good enough in, in that department, and that's why he struggles in a four four two because he, you know he can run around a lot, but he's just not hasn't got the, that aggressive streak. Um, naturally in him so for me that, that counts him out you know look at Seamus Coleman that's why he's been so good for so long there is that 1v1 he's outstanding and you know when it comes to making a tackle 9 times out of 10 or even 99 times out of 100 he times it impeccably Tom Davis doesn't fall into that bracket so that's an absolute non-starter for me has he got it in terms of like going forward running down the wing and whipping a ball in or no he can't cross <laughs> can't cross either um, Quite important. Look, yeah, he's um, yeah. There's not a lot of lot of things he's got going for him. Right back, the one thing he can get up and down, he can get up and down. That's about it. He has got the engine to do it. But apart from that, I can't think of anything else that would be a redeeming quality to make him a, a even a half since deputant at right back. So um, again, whether that was clickbait from the Echo or something, or they just didn't have anything to write about that day, it's for me to poor shout. Mm. Uh, the second one, I think that's happened for a number of years, and it happens to any club. I think who's outside of those European spots. Um, it happened to us for for a number of years, Georgie. You know, yeah. where we felt like we were getting poached, like play, we'd link be linked with players and then get poached. So it happens even in, in, yeah. in European well, spots. T- Tottenham, Tottenham's done it to us for years. 
always under Harry Redknapp, and and they they'd slip in with a with a, a similar bid, uh, and sometimes less money in the wages, but knowing that the player would rather go to London or mm. you know, go to a team that a little bit more attractive than us. But it's not 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 new to me. And I said last summer, I was hoping that when Brands come in, he was going to change that trend of not being linked with players all the time and just going about our business in a, in a more professional manner, quiet, you know, efficient, under the radar. Um, we don't know if these players that are linked with us are actually, you know, players we're interested in, by the way. So it's hard to kind of criticise that. But if it is the case that we're doing our business in public again, then it serves us right because that, that's what you're going to get. Um, but we're in a difficult position, Brands is, Ancelotti is, because everyone knows we need players. Everyone knows the players that Ancelotti wants because he's been vocal about it before and they know, they know the players that he likes at other clubs. And everyone knows that Marcel Brands to a certain degree, I think this summer it is just going to be the the spokesperson for Ancelotti because Ancelotti's been, um, it seemed very vocal in saying that, look, I think there's a couple of players that we want. There's nothing wrong with Marcel Brand still going and bringing in prospects, but there's three or four positions that I want to address if we're going to try and turn the ship around sooner rather than later. Um, so, yeah, I think to answer the question directly, um, I'm not sure. They are all positions that we will be looking at. I think the Reggion one was a little bit tenuous. Um, I'm, you know, he's a good player, but you know, would he be would it be first on our list? I'm, I'm not sure. I think certainly the, um, the 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 guy from Lille is a player that we seem to be interested in, and, and that bid seems to be pretty genuine. Gabriel. Um, and the other one, I'm not sure. I think out of the three, Gabriel was, would be the one I'd want most as a centre-back and he, he fits the profile of what we need. And two, certainly, is the position that I think we're most in need of addressing. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of, the, obviously, the, the, the question as a whole, in terms of what positions do we need to address, I think we've just lost Millsy there, by the way, so I'll have to take this one single-handedly. Mm. Um, the positions that I think we need to address more desperately, we need a midfielder. We need a proper box-to-box. I mean, I look at, across the park at what you guys have got in, in the shape of Wijnaldum and Fabinho players who get up and down, have got energy. They can put fires out, but also they can they can spring, be a springboard to, to, to push the team forward. Even Jordan Henderson, to a certain extent. You know, players who, who do get about the pitch and, and are a presence. Um, that's something we desperately need um, alongside the centre-back. I, I think on top of that, um, you know, for me, and, and it's an obvious thing to say, you, you've got to build through the spine of the team. I think I don't think we've got a... Keane, for me, would, would have been in the window, been one of the more improved players for this season. I've been a lot more impressed with, with what he's done you know, post-lockdown. But he still needs strong, a strong presence alongside him. So I think centre-back would be priority number one. Um, box-to-box midfielder, very closely following that, if not ahead of that. And then probably a goal scorer. So it's like the span of the team. You can talk about wingers, but for me, the wingers, we, we've got enough players you can play in wide berths, but we, we need players you can, you can put the ball in the onion bag on a regular basis. Yeah, you should go to Chelsea because they've apparently said Kante is available and Zoom is available. So you can play Zoom back and get Kante. <laughs> not yeah, that I think I mean, he'd go to his life, but. Yeah, I'm not sure about Zoom because I, look, I like Zoom and I wanted us to get him, but now look at. You know what we need at the club and stuff, and I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against bringing Zuma back. Obviously, no one would be against getting Kante. I think most teams in the league was would probably take him. Yeah, just it's mad that he, they're just shipping them in it. Crazy. 
Well, he, since day one, he, he seems to have prepared Jorginho. Yeah. Lampard, he, he likes mm. that ball playing midfielder, which, again, is bizarre to me because the best Chelsea team he plays in was the one with Makalelian. Mm. So, you think he's understanding the importance of that water carrier. But, yeah, bizarre one. But maybe he's just looking at value, thinking I can get you know, a good few quid for him and in a couple of seasons or a season's time, he might, he might not be worth that anymore. Mm. But, you know, there's, there's even rumours of us taking Ghana Gay back and I would snap your hands off for that one as well. So I, I think in one of those positions, if we we're going to address all three, Mills, he alluded to it before, in one of those positions, we're going to have to get a bit of value. Um, I think you're probably more likely to get the value in a box-to-box midfielder in terms of finding someone in France who can just run around and cover ground and, and you know, be busy. Uh, whereas, you know, your centre-backs and your forwards, they're in short supply, I think, across Europe in those positions. Most clubs know the best players in those positions and, and most of those players are well sought after and therefore commands quite a high fee. So I think the biggest challenge for us, going off piece slightly with the question, is is, is getting shut to some of the deadwood in order to raise funds to address, you know, some some real concerns for Ancelotti. So, do you fancy doing a kind of Liverpool way, Judgy, where your you midfielders are a kind of jack-of-all-trades rather than, like, a 10 and a defensive mid? I think it makes sense. It certainly makes sense. And I think any top manager will want that. You, you look at the, the best sides in the Premier League now. I mean, even to a certain extent, Chelsea, most of their players in midfield are very fluid. De Bruyne sometimes drops and plays deep. Foden can play in most positions across the midfield. Sterling probably, you know, he can't play in the centre, but he can play on either flank and play up front as well. You know, most of your players in the top sides and in the league, certainly and in Europe, have got very fl- fluid midfield and forward lines. And, and all the best coaches like to have that in, the, in, in their armoury to be able to switch systems effort, effortlessly, yeah. to be able to do that very quickly without making substitutions. Yeah. And that's where the value lies, isn't it? You know, you're not having to, to go and buy several players you know, yeah. when you buy one or two, they can fill three or four positions. And, and do you think Ancelotti will be trying to make signings with getting back to his, you know, his 4-3-3 that he likes to play? Do you think he'll be trying to sign players to, to fit that shape? It's a bit of a myth, that, though, because the 4-3-3 that he plays at Napoli was, was, was a 4-4-2 a lot of the time as well. Mm, um, yeah. Again, he had, he had players like Alan, Alan who's, who's been someone who's been heavy linked, who can play in a lot of positions. And because of that, he can go from playing in a 4-3-3 to go and sit on the left and play in a 4-4-2. Or if you're playing in a 4-4-2, go and play in the middle and, and the winger moves forward to play a 4-3-3. Mm. So it's, it's, it's um, I think, again, it's a bit of a myth to say that he, he's a one-system man. A bit like Klopp, I think he, it's horses for courses. Um, he likes to change things, I think, periodically anyway to keep the other teams and managers guessing and to keep the team fresh um, in terms of their approach. So I think, I think you know, Alluding more, more towards what you said before, I think you'd be looking for players similar to what Liverpool have got that can play in a number of positions and can do a number of jobs in, in different systems. So expectations for next season then, Judgy? Um, obviously, you're hoping for a higher place up the table than this season, but with a, with a transfer window with Ancelotti, what can Everton hope for next year? We say it every season, and I'll keep saying it until we do it. We need to win a cup. You know, it, It's becoming a running joke, and rightfully so. You know, the banners you hold up every year at Goodison, we'd be doing it if it was the other way around. I think we'd done it about the, you know, he's not winning the league, not necessarily banners, but we kind of poked it at you. We need to win a cup. And I think Ancelotti will know that from being here in a short period of time that the fans are craving success. I think Marco Silver actually said in a recent article, the Everton fans are angry for success. And I think it's a fair reflection um, just because of what's going on 
you know, across the park that you, you guys are, you know, are, you know, sho- um, shoveling up so many trophies and, and honours that it, it gets frustrating for us. So I think we need to win a cup um, and I think just qualifying for Europe or, you know, being there or thereabouts. We weren't actually that far off in the end, bizarrely enough. And, you know, if it weren't for a couple of poor results um, post-lockdown, we would have been in the mix and, and would have had a really good shot. But I, th- I think that'll be firmly the target next year is at least a cup final and, you know, really a cup and, and, and European football. Terry, Man City put 100 points on the board, followed by 98 points. They got nowhere near it the third season. Can Liverpool do it three seasons in the, on a run and can, can we progress further in the, in the Cups this, next year? Yeah, I think, I think we can. You know, I think this Liverpool team's getting better. Um, you know, there's, it's still a young side as well. You know, there's, there's a, a smattering of experience and, and, and stuff like older heads with really Henderson and Milners and stuff. But these are players coming into their prime now, you know, like your Salas, your Allison, Van Dijk, and, and, you know, and then you've got like young guns like Trent and that coming through, you know, getting better and better. So I, I, I fully expect that we can, you know, whether it'll be... 97, 98, 99, 100. I mean, who knows? But would you ever bet against the consistent against this Liverpool team doing that? Given the consistency we've seen over the last two seasons, it's been phenomenal. So yeah. I'm open. You know, I think that the, the litmus test now is like sort of always. You know, we've we've, we've climbed them heights and we got to a Champions League final. And we lost it. Then we went there the next year and we won it. You know, we we came second in the league. We we, we lost it by a point. But the following season we've gone and won it. You know, it's. What's the next challenge? You, you've you've got to get themselves up for that, and I fully expect Klopp's a motivator. He, he he's the man who can get them doing that, you know. And and this Liverpool team, all the fans, as I said, Henderson and stuff, the leaders that are in there, they're gonna they're gonna want to go again. I think the four month break and sort of the lapses in concentration after the restart, it might be crucial for us going forward. That because to keep to maintain the level, the concentration levels and. And the desire to win and, and, and carry that pressure around with you that we've carried for the last two seasons. To do that for three years, it's just psychologically almost impossible. But the break might have done us the world of good and we can reset and go again. Yeah, I think, I think that's a fair point. I think one, one thing that I'll be watching for is, you know, this Liverpool team feeds on emotion. You know, it's, and I think after lockdown, we didn't have that. You know, you haven't got fans in the, in the stadium and stuff. And it, it just felt like we weren't quite the same sort of unit. Um, but one thing that, I, that we, we, we know of this Liverpool team is it thrives on, on that emotion, you know, the, the, the fans and the crowds. And, and, and that's why we get up for the big European night so well and stuff like that. And one thing I think we've got to be really guarded against is we've got to go fast out the blocks at the start of next season. And we're probably going to be doing it behind closed doors, you know, the way it's looking. So we're not going to have them fans there. So we can't afford to have a, a lax start, you know, a slow and... Since the lockdown, that looks like it's benefited City more than it's benefited Liverpool, doesn't it? The, the yeah, well, well, exactly. And, you know, when you look at the games, the game we played against City where they tonked us, but, you know, when, when they've played in must-win games against Liverpool, high-pressure games, besides the Etihad at home where, obviously, it, it, you know, a ball not crossing the line by a millimetre because of being a different game. But besides that one, they haven't had the best of us. You know what I mean? We, we, in, in the must-win games, Champions League ones, and as I said, November this year, you know, like when we beat them 3-1 around fields, in their major, major, real high-pressure ones, they've been found wanting. Whereas it's been our side that, that thrived on, on, on that emotion and that pressure. So I think you're right. I think, you know, behind closed doors games, it suits them more. Um, and, and, and you look, as I say, you know, 
they beat us. There was no crowd there, and Sterling had the only time I think I've ever seen him have a good game against Liverpool because the crowds weren't there to be on his back. You know, he he wasn't playing with that same sort of pressure against his old club, and he he, he put in like a man of the match performance. So I think it does tell, and it, and it does show that um, you know that the crowds are important, and they're certainly important to the way this Liverpool team play. And you know, given Man City's quality in the way that they play. Um, they seem to respond better when it's been, you know, with, with and they just playing without big crowds anyway, aren't they? You know what I mean? Yeah, another thing yeah, I think. Yeah, what, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but them having a poor back, I think, is going to make a major difference as well. Yeah, yeah. It also frees Fernandinho to play in the middle again. Um, he might be getting on now, but they're much better with him there than they were yeah. with the new signing. And the core case off the back means that they can now sign players knowing that they're still going to be a big draw. You know, being that a Champions League band was, was a different kettle of fish and they could have seen some of their players get, you know, leave and, and then struggle to attract other players. So, I think that's a big monkey off their back and I think we need to, we do need to be cognizant of that. You know what I mean? That they're going to strengthen. I think they've got the money too. They're not under the same coronavirus impact financially like some clubs are and they've got a, a country benefactor you know so you know they will strengthen they will sign players and, and, and they will go again and they're a fantastic side but this Liverpool team got, should we, it should hold no fears for us we should be up for that challenge you know what I mean we've shown that we're not only able to compete with them but to be better than them um, and, and you know the, the, the trophies tell the tale so I do expect us to go again next year and, and, and be right up there challenging you know and, and possibly retain put your money on a double Teddy yeah I, I, well I'll never bet on Liverpool so I won't put any money on it but um, <laughs> but you know I, I'd like to see us do better in domestic cups and and, and, and I think you know there's a, there's a live chance there and, and I, I do hope that you know we we, we, we we do go a little bit further than we have in previous seasons and, and yeah you know we'll be up there with, I, I think we'll be fighting for the Champions League until the least the stages as as we always do, um, and we'd be we'd be up there fighting for the league, and and I, I fully expect that we we might do well in one of the domestic competitions this season in next season. So I'm 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 you know excited. Um, I just hope that we're allowed in to watch it. Yeah. Just reminds me, Terry. Actually, you say you won't bet on Liverpool, but you bet on Wolves, didn't you? Yeah, I owe you 50 quid. <laughs> but I bet on them getting in the Champions League where it looked like City were going to get banned it go to five places and they were knocking on the door and then they sort of blew it with two games to go. So I owe you 50 quid. <laughs> God, that's, God, that's on recorded episodes. Uh, I just want to mention, Phil, we didn't mention it at the start of the piece, we, we obviously we've been doing a prediction league throughout this season and yeah. it's, uh, it's ironic that I'm mentioning it because I ended up finishing bottom of the league. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, bo- the bottom four were all blues. You won't be surprised to hear. So far too many Everton uh, wins I went for there. But massive con- congratulations to former Everton uh, fullback and centre-back Michael Ball who ends up winning the league. Um, I think we owe him money for that actually. But we're, but we're, also, <laughs> we're hoping he doesn't chase us down for it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Michael Ball came out on top in the end. We, I think I think we will be releasing the full standings at some point, but well yeah. done to Bali and, and uh, we'll try and get a few more involved next year. I'm just yeah. going to talk over Phil before he crowbars in that he came second and I came third. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only bit that mattered to me. I see, I see it like that, ready to go then, like sort of <laughs> dying to get in and go, yeah, be Teddy. <laughs> no, but, um, so that wraps up our final show of the season. It's been an absolute pleasure recording with you. Um, big thank you to all our listeners who stuck with us as we said at the start and we look forward to seeing you again next uh, pre-season yeah and we will be going the way through the summer won't we so yeah Yeah. speak to you then yeah take care